Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Two verses of scripture I'd like to read to you this morning, beginning at Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 5 and then Proverbs 23. But we're going to begin in Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at verse number 5. Amen. Look around this morning uh, and see those that aren't here. And how many would say, I'm going to send them a message and tell them I love them and I'm praying for them. Amen. We got a lot of folks out sick still, got some folks out traveling. But we want them to know that they are missed in the house of the Lord. And that, hey, listen, if, if one of your family members don't show up to dinner, you reach out. And say, hey, we love you. We miss you. Amen. And so we want to do the same thing every time we see somebody that is not in the house of the Lord for whatever reason. We just want them to know that they were missed. Amen. And But I'm so thankful for all of you that are here. To our guests, we are glad you chose to worship in First Church this morning. Amen. Thank you so very much. Amen. I'm going to uh, be in a little bit of different gear this morning. And uh, some may call it teaching or, or whatever else. But I, I really feel, I felt this direction a couple of weeks ago. And I want to share it this morning. And I know that, thank you. And I know that it's a Sunday morning. But I want to tell you something. I'm, I'm going to give you some, some meat this morning. All right, I'm going to give you some meat if, if you want to serve God and you want to get over the hump or the barrier or whatever you would call it and you want to have that victory in living for God if you want to sustain victory how, how many just want your outlook your perspective to be changed you know I, I, I think that one of the things that we miss is we come to, and we're such a routine that we just want the preaching to inspire us for the week. Right? That becomes the routine. Just give us some inspiration. Hopefully you'll hit where I'm at. And I'll see you Tuesday night barely hanging on. Next Sunday, my fingernails are missing for just trying to claw and hold on. Uh, but if, if that's the cycle of living for God, that you're in and many many of us get into that I believe it's things like today where God can literally begin to transform our understanding because that's what I want God to do this morning and so I may not stomp and scream and shout and all that stuff uh, but I want to share with you something that that hopefully will transform begin to trans it's not going to happen let me just say this it's not going to happen in one service that's the other lie people peddle all the time. Just raise your hand. God's going to change your mind. Right? It's not how it works. It's an effort. God will give you the word. He'll give you the wisdom. And he'll give you the power of his spirit to change. But the change is up to us. Amen. And so uh, that, that's kind of the vein that I want to get in this morning. Especially as we're coming to the close of this year. And before we step into next year. Amen. I want us to, to, to begin to work on ourselves right now. That when we step into the new year, we know what our goal is, we know what our purpose is, and we're ready to move forward in the Lord. Amen. For, uh, Proverbs 
chapter 4, beginning at verse 5. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Well, I could just stop right there and say, Amen. We can go home and we have heard a word. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Not everybody that's wise has understanding, and not everybody that has understanding is wise. I often like it to somebody that knows how to count to a thousand but can't add two plus two. All right, so with your getting, right, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, nor forsake her not. And she, now he's likening, he's calling wisdom uh, the feminine here, she. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Amen. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou doest embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Amen. Look at verse 7 again. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Amen. Now, in the book of knowledge again, Proverbs 23 and verse 7 says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Amen. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. With all thy getting, get understanding. Embrace wisdom. Cherish wisdom. As you think in your heart, so are you. Amen? So we need God to touch our understanding in our minds. Amen? We need God's anointing to touch. That's why the Bible says you are saved by the washing and the regeneration of your mind. Amen? Peter said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. And one 1990s poet said, free your mind and the rest will follow. Amen. We need the Lord to touch our mind and our understanding. And so I, I want you, if you would, to just take somebody's hand that's near you where appropriate and I want you to just pray with them that the Lord would open your understanding in the name of Jesus Lord I pray right now that you would touch our minds that you would touch our understanding Lord that you would heal the wounds of our minds any scars any tragedies Lord any any excuse that we might have, Lord, I pray that you would begin to heal it right now. I pray, Lord, for every person under the sound of my voice. God, would you reach down into this place this morning 
and would you touch us? Would you open our ears to hear and our minds to understand and our hearts to receive and our spirit to bear witness of your word? Lord, transform us today. Begin the transformation process in us today, Lord, that we won't leave here the same way that we've came, but that we would leave here changed by the power of your spirit in the name of Jesus, amen and amen, amen. Why don't we give the Lord praise and thanksgiving for that this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, we're thankful. Lord, we're thankful. Amen, amen. Turn around and tell somebody, God's going to touch my understanding today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I want to talk to you this morning on the power of a thought. The power of a thought. I, I want to start by saying this this morning. It, it, may, it may seem, now if you're in Pentecostal protocol mode, if you're just, you know, going through the motions, this is just going to uh, kind of jar you uh, out of your routine way of thinking because the... Uh, the the way we do things is we think, well, Sunday morning is for somebody to yell and scream and to sweat a whole lot and to just push, push, push. And then if we get into that, that frame of mind and into that mindset, then we can miss uh, what God has prepared for us. But I want to tell you this morning, I want you to understand that I haven't come to just, well, it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, it's the Sunday after awakening. Let's just kind of coast and go through the motion. I haven't come to do that. I'm telling you with all sincerity this morning that I have come today through the power and the unction of the Holy Ghost, amen, to cut the bindings off of you with the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God. I've come through the Word of God to cut the bindings that are off your mind and your understanding I've come to let the word of God sever from you the mindset and the thoughts that have cursed your family for generations. Amen. And I can't just pray over it and speak in it and just be done. But the word of God can give you the power of understanding and wisdom to cut those off of you. Amen. I have come this morning to, I've come to curse your curse. I've come to curse your curse. And I, I, I've come to speak against what has spoken against your life. Amen. I've come to speak against what's spoken against you and I've come to break the mold that has formed you into the restrictive state that you're in now, thinking the best has already happened, or I'm living in the best, and it cannot get any better. Amen. I think I've already nudged it a little bit. And so one of the things we've got to get over is, is the fear of change. The fear of, of something being different, amen. I, I read a while ago, uh, a few months ago, partially because I'm weird and I read these things, but in a journal of science, 
I believe it came out of Cambridge, um, a child psychologist wrote and said that we have learned the study of psychology and the study of human behavior, uh, extensive research that, and I believe this research was, was the intel gathered of, of 60, 70 plus years of the study of psychology, child psychology, and human behavior. And they said this, quote, we have found that we only have three natural fears in our life. Children are born with three natural fears that are revealed as at birth and in those first uh, nine to 18 months of life. And they said that those three fears are the fear of loud noises. So when you have a little baby and you do that, they, they flinch, right? Their fear, that's a natural fear they have, is loud noises. The other natural fear that they have is the fear of falling. It's natural. Every baby has that fear of falling. It's natural. And the third most uh, common or the most certain fear that we are born with is the fear of abandonment. That's why you don't have to teach a child that they're alone even when they're two weeks old, three months old. Those of you that have raised children and especially try to raise them to sleep in their own room, in their crib, you, you know that when it gets dark and you're not in there, they start screaming and they start crying. Now, some cope with it better than others, but that's a natural fear that we are born with, is the fear of abandonment, the fear of being alone. So the fear of loud noises, the fear of falling, and the fear of abandonment. Now, what that tells me is every other fear in our life is learned behavior and not natural. Think about that. Babies aren't scared of spiders. They're not afraid of snakes. They're inquisitive. It's only after you inform them of the danger that they become scared. I, I, I remember when Addison used to pick up moths. She even ate one one time. I used to catch mosquito hawks. Or a moth, I'd catch them in the house. And I'd say, I got it. And I'd go... Of course, I kept it there, but she thought I'd ate it. And so when she was about three, she came in the room and she said, look, I got one. And this moth was holding on with one wing flapping. And before we could stop her, she went. <laughs> True story. And then she went. And we asked her, you know, of course, after my wife picked herself up off the floor, I said, what did that taste like? And she said, a sour jelly belly. Said it was a little squishy. <laughs> but now, if a mosquito hawk gets in the house or a moth, she loses her mind. 
to be honest, it's quite obnoxious. <laughs> she won't even go to sleep if she thinks there's a mosquito hawk or a moth that's gotten in the house. My point is this. That was not a natural fear. That is a learned fear. Y'all still with me right now? That's not something that she was born with. That's something she learned. Babies aren't afraid of heights. Not until they learn the dangers of falling. Have you ever seen the black and white photos of in the 1910s and 20s and 30s in, in large metropolitan cities? They used to put these cages that hung out the window of high-rise apartments. And babies used to lay in these cages of like chain link that they would lock into the window and that baby would be 30, 30 stories high in the air, just the street below. Amen. They weren't scared of that. They didn't, they didn't have the understanding to be able to comprehend what depth is and what height is. It's a, it's a learned fear. Amen. And so I, I'm praying this morning that the Holy Ghost will begin to work in your life. Because the hardest thing in life to do is not to learn. The most difficult thing to do in life is to unlearn what you've learned. Oh, don't shout me down when I'm telling the truth. The hardest thing to learn to do is to unlearn what you learned so you can relearn what God wants you to know. How many ever learned to do something the wrong way and you had to relearn how to do it? That's never a fun process because old habits die hard. It's never an easy thing to say, well, I have found a better way and I will improve upon that. No, when you have to deprogram and reprogram, it's harder because the scars of the first programming are always going to be there. And even when it becomes second nature, you'll still subconsciously have to overcome the learning that you first learned and try to unlearn it to relearn to do it the right way. You're following that so far. And so living for God is unlearning what your flesh has taught you is right. Living for God is unlearning the ways that you were raised, the things people did to you, the people you look up to, heroes, idols, friends, relationships, entertainment, all of these things that fed into you and taught you, even the personality that we have today. And we have to go back through the Holy Spirit and say, God, help me unlearn that behavior. Help me unlearn that fear so then I can learn. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So, so it's important to, to, to unlearn what you learned. So your brain, if you would, it only has so much hard drive space. Right? 
only have so much hard drive space. And then you have to, and then it's hard to delete it. And then the scar of it is always there. If, if somebody in an intimate relationship has betrayed you, you don't just get over it. You don't just get over it. And I, 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 I'm, I'm meddling now, ain't I? And, and it's a horrid thing to force the new person in your life to try to live through the mistakes the last person made and you hold them accountable for what the last person did to you. And you know what happens? You'll break every relationship moving forward. Amen. Well, hallelujah. This is why... This is what, and it's not impossible, please understand me, it's not impossible for a second or a third marriage to work, but it becomes more difficult when they haven't moved on to a healthy place. Because if you go into a new marriage holding against your new spouse what the last spouse did, you're going to make their life hell on earth. If the last spouse cheated on you and you haven't gotten over that yet, don't get married again because you're going to treat them the way that they did you. You're always going to be suspicious of them. I know it's Sunday morning. Always going to be suspicious of them. Always going to wonder why it took them five minutes longer to go to the grocery store than it takes you. Always wondering why they had to work overtime. Where were they? Let me see your phone. Let me see your locations. Let me do let, 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 let. And they've got to try to live up to expectations that somebody else broke. I don't know if y'all are catching this this morning or not. And, and, and then we bring that over into living for God because everybody else let us down and other people failed us. Then we try to hold the church to a standard that other people broke in our life and, and because we came in and we found the peace of God. Then we start expecting everybody around us to be uh, perfect and then God forbid when hurt comes into the church not if, when offenses come into the church when betrayal comes into the church when false brethren are revealed, if we're not careful we will hold everybody else to the account that somebody else did we may not run the aisles this morning but I'm, I'm going to I, I can't handle, you, you need to make up in your mind, I cannot handle going into 2024 carrying the baggage I've been holding for 30 years. Right. Yes. It'll lead you to one broken relationship after another. It will lead you to one failure of a job or a career at, until you get to the point where you learn, I am good enough for the Lord and for everybody else it doesn't matter. As long as he loves me and I love him and I'm walking in his way and I'm walking in his word. Amen. Amen. I, for, I forgot to start my timer. Amen. I don't want anybody to accuse me of taking advantage of their time. Amen. If I can find it, praise God. All right. It's set for 90 minutes. Well, let me ask you, do you, want to, do you want to play church or do you want God to change us? Help change us. Right? Um, we, we can't, we, 
If you go into a new job treating your new co-workers like the jerks you worked with on the last job, nobody's going to like you. Matter of fact, if you treat other people <laughs> with expectation of their betrayal, you're going to be a lonely, bitter person. I had somebody tell me one time, I don't got no friends in this church. Nobody. You don't got no friends in this church. What's wrong with you? You're the most friendly people I know. Nobody ever calls me. Nobody ever... And, and my question to them was, well, when's the last time you called anybody? Well, I miss church and nobody called me. I said, well, do you ever call anybody when they miss? Well, no. See, you, you're trying to get people to live up to expectations you don't even have for yourself. I'm talking about the power of a thought. Because most of your battle is not with a little red devil with horns on his head and a pitchfork forked tongue and a pointy tail. Most of the battle you're going to fight is with that sucker looking in the mirror at you. That's messed up right here. And until we let God heal this, then we'll burn everybody we're connected to. A while back I was talking with some young men about, about this, this particular thing that I'm... I'm talking to you about this morning the power of thought and then it eventually began to evolve into teaching them about uh, the power of a thought and relating it to corporations and uh, how many know a corporation is not a building see IBM can move to another building but they're still IBM Apple Tesla and Amazon have relocated but did not cease to be those corporations. Amen? So they can move. They've all relocated, but they still exist because a corporation is not a location. A corporation is not a person. The founder or the president uh, can die and that company can still exist. Uh, Tim Cook. Was the one that no, Steve Jobs died, but Apple is still making phones. Somewhat inferior to when Steve Jobs was alive. When Steve Jobs alive. He didn't have all these bugs on every update. I just wait two weeks after the major update because I know there's another one coming because they messed up something. But it's still around. Henry Ford has been dead for decades, but some of you drove up in a Ford vehicle. It doesn't cease to exist because the founder or the president dies. So if a corporation is not a building, and a corporation is not a person, well then the third thing a corporation is not, is it's not a product. Because a corporation can exist without a product. Amen. It can change from one product to the other and continue to exist. Many corporations that are Fortune 500 companies today did not start out doing what they're currently doing. But they modified with the times and found other ways to be productive. So if a 
corporation is not a product, a person, and it's not a premise, it's not property, then what is a corporation? Think about it. Well, simply put, a corporation is literally a thought. And, and, and you may say, well, that's ridiculous. Then if it's a thought, it's not real. Well, that's not true. Because I can set up a corporation, and you can enter into that corporation with me, and the very fact that I set up a corporation means that you can't sue me. You have to sue the corporation because the corporation is an entity into itself even though it's not physical. Even though it's not tangible. It still exists. Because you're not suing me. You're suing a corporation. Literally, you're suing a thought. Because that's what it is. Because everything began as a thought. Then I took it a step further, and I want to say it this morning. First church is not a building. We can leave this building and still be the church. They can take the building, but they can't take the church. You can burn the building, but not burn the church. So the church is not defined by a building. First church is not a building. Neither is first church a man. It's not a man. I can die and first church will continue right on. Why? Because it's a thought. First church is not a man. It's an idea. It's a conviction. It's a promise from God. And I can take it even a step further. Now, I want you to imagine with me the last 300 years. Now, I, I, I know Sunday morning, and some of you are checking out on me because I'm not yelling a whole lot. And that's fine. This probably isn't for you. You, you can go online and find somebody else scream at you and prophesy to you. I'm going to give you some meat this morning. If you would imagine yourself 300 years ago existing, 300 years ago, you would be in about the 1700s. How many things would disappear out of your life if you got into a phone booth and you went 300 years back? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. You didn't live to the 80s and 90s. If you went on an excellent adventure, With, with William and Theodore. <laughs> and you were transported back 300 years. How many things would disappear out of your life? Just like that. Your car is gone. I know you complain about needing one another car and a better car. But if you were 300 years ago, you would take the biggest jalopy, broke down, rust bucket pinto that there is popping and Smoking down the road. You'd take it. You didn't care what it looked like. Prime color of that car could be Bondo and you'd still drive it. 300 years ago. Television's gone. Phones are gone. Electricity's gone. Refrigerators are gone. Microwaves are gone. Cell phones are gone. Look at all the fabrics that are gone. 
If you were just wait, if you were just go three hundred years right now and be transported, and just a lot of us wouldn't have clothes on when we got through the tunnel. So Lord, keep us here. Gone, gone are the polyesters. Gone is the spandex wool blends. It's all gone. Look at all the stuff that we would lose. In 300 years, almost everything you call normal today was invented in the last 300 years. Which if you think about it, in thousands of years of human existence is but a fraction of time. There's an incredible book I read years ago called The 5,000 Year Leap. And it talks about, and it even narrows it down, that in the last 120 years, 150 years, the giant leap that humanity made forward. And I believe it's in the divine inspiration of God that allowed us to leap forward so far with inventions and all of these things. And I, well, I won't get into all that, but we, we live in a society that was, you know, they say necessity is the mother of all inventions. And you have the steam engine and then the combustion engine and then you have electric now and you have all of these things that are far surpassing what could have been done even 50 years ago. But it all happened in the last 300 years. It was ideas bursting at the seams. Ideas and concepts creating fabrics. Concepts that, that maybe we take this seed and this seed and we can put them together and we can produce a hybrid. Amen. And here comes the phone, and here comes electricity, and all of this stuff born out of fertile minds of men and women. I, I mean, are, are you still following what I'm saying this morning? That, that it started somewhere. You see, before there was ever an iPad, there was a thought of an iPad. Before there was a handkerchief, there was a thought of a handkerchief. Before there was a, a wooden guitar, Sister Cindy, before there was a thought of a guitar. And in particular, this beautiful guitar made of wood. Amen. Somebody had to first think about it. And then they had to have the skills to make it. And then you jump forward now and look at this beautiful carbon fiber guitar. Amen. And, and how it's put it. But before this was ever in existence, they first had to come through this. You could have never got this unless you first had that. You don't get the modern without the old. You don't get the new without the vintage. Amen. You have to go through this to get this. It's a process of trial and error. And then they said, we are tired of our guitars going out of tune. And they put a truss rod in there because they didn't want the neck to bow. And then they said, we got tired of messing with truss rods, Sister Cindy. So they said, well, we'll make one lighter and we'll make it out of carbon fiber. And it doesn't matter what environment you put it in, it'll still work. As a matter of fact, these beautiful guitars, you can plunge them underwater and pull them out and dry them off and play them. And it won't damage it a bit. You can't do it with the old one. You see, somebody had to get it in their mind that we need to first create and then we need to advance. Some of you are still at the lowest level of living for God. You are just stuck in that first creation mode and you will not let God advance you because you won't get the thought in your mind that God has more for me. God wants me to be more. God wants me to do more. There is power 
handle in your thought for as a man thinketh so is he what scares me most about about our generation that we're living in is, is that we are going into a dumbing down of ideas we don't feed our minds anymore we don't invigorate ourselves anymore every genre of music everywhere is an iPod or that's not iPods anymore it's phones music libraries I looked at my phone uh, some time ago and I had over 8,000 songs in my phone now a lot of those are podcasts and stuff but you, you, you get what I'm saying we have all of this televisions are everywhere and yet it's just gone down it's just gone down we, we it, it, we have went down from excellence to just what we call reality TV, where people just sit around and watch trash. And I mean trashy people. Don't shout me down now. I know I'm telling the truth. So the people who studied the arts and they learned to dance and do drama, they're now shopping for a job while trashy people like the Kardashians set up in front of the camera and addict the generation to their godless filth of a lifestyle. Gone are the days where an actor or actress could sing, play an instrument, dance, and act. Now it's just a bunch of trashy people with trashy morals, trashy virtues, who hate everybody, including themselves, and they perform in front of a camera now everybody's got a camera on their phone so everybody thinks they're a celebrity. We got a generation of people who are famous for doing nothing. They don't do anything. They don't produce anything. They don't have anything. They're just famous. They're just famous because they're cute. They can pucker their lips and smile on Instagram. And they're famous. It's the dumbing down. It's the dumbing down of this generation. The drive to create has been suppressed. Why create? We'll entertain you. Just sit back. And when plots aren't entertaining, just turn on a camera and watch foolish people do foolish things and act horrid and people be entertained by that. I think if you were able to bring back people like Fred Astaire and show them this is what Cary Grant, this is what entertainment is today, they would be stunned. Not just at the lack of talent, but the lack of taste for people that continually feed on that trash. I know it's Sunday morning, y'all just hold on. It's the dumbing down of ideas. And when ideas stop, the economy stops. Creativity stops. Buildings, corporations, all stop because everything happens that's important to you between this year and that year. And everything stops when you're entertained by foolish things, things that don't add value to you, things that don't bring any any uh, uh, 
intelligence into your life or, or raise your standard of living or change or challenge your way of thinking. So we've got generations now that are addicted to phones and addicted to YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat and all of these things and they're totally content. And don't just look at young people. I see adults as addicted as kids are. And they sit there at restaurants and I've watched couples having their anniversary dinners. A couple years ago we were at a Father's Day dinner. My family took us out for a Father's Day dinner and we watched an entire family of probably seven or nine people sit at a table and every one of them, children and adults, sat there like this. And I looked at the father's face and if you could have seen the disgust on that dad's face as he kept looking around at the table, looking at his own children, his own wife, as they were so consumed with their phones the entire... You could see the brokenness on his face. You could see the pain on his face that sitting around the table his wife and his children and possibly his grandchildren and hardly anybody would look up and acknowledge him much less anyone else and I'm telling you that this comes straight from the Bible because we are consumed with a culture of trash and we're consumed with a culture of entertainment but the Bible said my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge and the enemy is attacking the church he wants us to be entertained he wants us to be thrilled. He wants us to be satisfied. The one thing hell doesn't want for you is for you to get knowledge and understanding. Because even the devil knows you're one thought away from transformation in your life. Put down the phone and pick up a book. Turn off the tube and open a book. Listen to a podcast, for goodness sakes. For something that will challenge you. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's getting a little old. People running to church every Sunday like a junkie. Just come on, give me my fix. I need joy. I need joy. Oh. Oh, there it is. Oh, I feel much better. And we barely get through the way. Come on. Come on. I got to have another. And we become religion junkies. Rather than leaders and people of transformation, we are so addicted to the junk. Oh, my God. I'm going to say it anyway. We are so addicted to the junk of having church that most of us have forgotten how to be the church. We're in love with the idea of great music or sounding or great preaching and we have forgotten that it starts with a relationship with Jesus. But we've so addicted ourselves to the idea that church is about making me feel good. So much so that when people, the church they attend no longer makes them feel good. They just find a new dope dealer. Amen. Remember, you've got to love me to get to heaven. I see it all the time. Spiritual junkies running from one church to the next. And as soon as that church don't entertain them anymore, they'll find another church. And as soon as that church can't get to visit, they'll find another church. The problem isn't the church. The problem is expectation and appetite. And the problem is, is we get addicted 
to the thrill of church and not the commitment with God. Amen. Y'all forgive me. I know it's a Sunday and y'all getting ready for apple pie and turkey and all of that. But if you could ever let God affect your way of thinking, I, I truly believe that you are one great thought away from reformation in your life. And you are one, listen to me, you, you, you could say pastors just, oh, he just, he's still flying high from awakening and bless his little heart and he just needs a vacation. And, and oh, he's just, oh, he's a visionary. Oh, he likes to think big thing. You are one thought away from reformation in your life. You're, you're, you're one thought away from being a millionaire. Well, I knew it was going to get quiet there. You almost hear a rat licking ice now. Everybody else will be blessed, not me. See, God needs to. You're, you're, you're just one thought away from overcoming the thing that is constantly broken you again and again and again. You see, the power is in you. Now we need to let that power transform the thought. You're, 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 you're one thought away from having a powerful, effective ministry in this city. One thought away from building a business. You know, this world is one thought away from a cure for AIDS. Just one thought away from a cure for cancer. God wants your mind. Not just your body. Serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. He wants this. Your mind is the center of your consciousness. Anybody getting anything out of this? this your mind is the center of your consciousness. It's at the core of who you are. You are what your mind says you are. And you are not what your mind says you are not. And you will have what your mind says you can have. And you will not have what your mind cannot believe for. Listen. If you sow into the kingdom, you're not asking God to give you money. Amen. Come back next Sunday. I'll make you shout. All right. I need to, but this morning, I need to reach the people that are ready for a transformation in their life. And, and if I can only reach 10 people who will take this out of here and flip the way you think, the next 12 months will transform not only your life, but this church and this entire community. When you sow into the kingdom, when you invest that Sunday of sacrifice off, you don't sow into it demanding God how much money you want back. Matter of fact, you're not even asking God to give you money. What is money? Money? I'd rather God give me a thought. See, you just want your bills paid this month. That's low-level thinking. 
God wants to transform the trajectory. The old Chinese proverb is give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, he'll what? Eat for a lifetime. Quit begging God for a fish. You catch that quick begging God for fish. Rather ask God, give me a thought. Give me an idea. Give me a plan. Give me a strategy. Lord, teach me to fish. They didn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, pray for us. That's not what they said. They went to Jesus and said, Lord, Teach us to pray. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Right, somebody's going to leave here with a seed planted in your spirit. And that's my purpose this morning. My, that's my, that's my, I, I'm going out of Pentecostal protocol to try to get us to clap and shout this morning. And I'm trying to plant a seed thought in you that you will walk out of here and stop praying for just money If I could hand you a million dollars right now or a hundred thousand dollars a year for the rest of your life, what would you take? And most people would take the million now. See, they want that instant rather than long-term sustained. You want to know why? Because our society is built around instant gratification. Microwave emotion. Quick connection. Some of you need to start praying, God, give me the idea. Give me the thought. You know, I believe God can raise up entrepreneurs in our church. I don't, I don't talk about this often, but I'm going to talk about it today. I, I believe God can raise up entrepreneurs in our church. I, uh, there's a church in uh, North Little Rock, Bishop Holmes' church. If you ever drove by there, it's like the Taj Mahal in America. Struggling little home missions church of about 2,000 people. Struggled to pay the light bills, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. You ought to go check it out. But within that church are several. Matter of fact, there may be even more than two or three dozen multimillionaires in that church. Amen. And, uh, boy, I can, man, I can tell you right now, some of y'all are going, I don't know, Pastor. I'd just like the management job at Taco Bell. Well, you go right ahead. But somebody's going to leave here and own Taco Bell one day. Amen. Well, hallelujah. And virtually every one of them, when they came to the Lord, were broke and poor. But one of them, if I remember the story, began to pray, God, give me an understanding for wealth. And started a business. And then employed men in the church on that business. And then Elder Holmes, uh, who passed away, Bishop Holmes, began to promote that idea of entrepreneurship. Listen, when they need to build a new building in Little Rock, let me, let me tell you something. They don't get up and have a Sunday of sacrifice. 
They just get up and say, we need a new building. And it's paid for before the lights are turned off that night. Amen. Well, for those that heard me teach this two weeks ago, no, I didn't say all of this stuff. But God wants to touch your understanding. You're not broke because society's against you. We're broke because we live with a broke mind. Go to Deuteronomy and I paraphrase this. In Deuteronomy, the Lord said, remember that it is me who has given you the power to get wealth. The power to get wealth. Some of you need to pray, God, touch my mind. Give me understanding. Do you have the courage to think that? Do you have the courage to think that? Because if you begin to think like that, and you begin to pray like that, then you can begin to move like that, and you can begin to do those things because you are literally one God-ordained idea away of transforming your life completely. Completely. Listen, your credit's not your problem. Your house is not your problem. Your car is not your problem. Your situation is not your problem. Your mind is your problem. For as you think, so are you. Listen, if you think broke, you'll be broke. If you think lonely, you'll be lonely. We need God to heal and clean our stinking thinking and let him turn it around and put his spirit in our life and in our heart and in our mind. If you want to be broke, then think like your grandparents thought. If you want to live in poverty, then live like your parents and the rest of your family. But if you want God to bring you out, say, God, touch my mind. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. With the thoughts that you think. You are no better than the thoughts that you think. Let me say it again. You are no better than the thoughts that you think. We preach that hatred toward one another is a sin, and it is. But we never talk about the fact how God feels about us hating ourselves. Most people are addicted because they hate themselves. Most people are in broken marriages because they hate themselves. And let me tell you this, they hate themselves because they were talked to like that their whole life. But at some point, you've got to quit leaning on the crutch of what mommy and daddy and grandpappy did and you've got to stand up and say, I will no longer be a victim of what they did to me Because at some point, you have got to stop the cycle. And let me tell you something, for you just...
how your parents were, how awful they are. Well, let me give you a news flash, sweetie pie and bubba. Listen to me. They were treated that way too. And they just passed it on to you. And if you're not careful, you'll pass it on down. You'll think it's normal behavior. I, I, I remember being a kid and I went over to a friend's house. I had never heard a kid talk back to their parent before. I can remember that. I can remember. Man, we didn't ask my mom and dad why. He said, go in that room and sit down. You go, why? Because before you got, why? Because I sit, and I'm not suggesting you go around and slap everybody. Lord, we could use a little bit more corporal punishment. Amen. You didn't say why or when I get ready or I don't feel like it. They said do something. You went, okay. And you went and did it. Often, yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. And I'll never forget going into a house where a friend of mine talked back to his mom. I never heard that before. It was shocking to me. When, I, when his mom said do something, he said no, I'll do it later. I started doing this. Like, I was waiting for fists to come flying. And the mom walked off and I went, man, this kid must be tough. And, and, and then his mom hollered at yeah, 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 yeah. He said, shut up. I never heard a kid tell an adult to shut up before. I went home. I went home. Now listen, I may have been born tonight, but it wasn't last night. And I'm not as think as you dumb I am. And I remember going home and I was, my, my mom had this red and white van. And I vividly remember sitting in the front seat. And I was, and, and my mom asked, she goes, she said, Tim, are you okay? And I said, yeah. She said, would you have a good time? And I said, yeah. And I said, mom, because I thought it was cool, right? Like, I never heard a kid stand up to his mom or dad before. I said, mom, what would you do? If you told me to do something, I said, no, I'll do it later. <laughs> I can still see them big old glasses and that red hair with a bun sitting on top of it look over at me and she goes, well, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> and I said, well, what if just for fun? What if I just for fun? You, you, I, was, I was like nine, ten years old. I never... I said, well, Mom, what if just for fun? I was just joking. And, and you said to me, and I said, shut up, Mom. And she turned blood red. And she looked at me and she goes, don't ever put those words together in your mouth. Then sings my soul, my Savior to me. And she never let me go to that kid's house again. Oh, she's just sheltering. Your kids are going to be what you let them be surrounded with. And so I told my mom what happened. And she said, you know what that boy needs? That boy needs his daddy to pull off his belt and wear his backside out. And she, and she said, and he needs a bar of soap in his mouth. 
And if you don't believe my mom would wash your mouth out with soap, believe me, I was at a friend's house and they said a curse word on the show that I didn't know and I went home and I said, Mom, guess what I learned? Beep, and I said it. And she grabbed me by the hair of my, I'm telling you, this is a true story. She grabbed me by that. She didn't even explain to me it was a bad word. She drugged me over to the sink. She turned the water on. She shoved my, you talk about waterboarding. I didn't feel bad for them people. I've been waterboarding my whole life. She stuck my head under the sink. She grabbed my dad's Irish spring soap and she stuck it in my mouth and started washing my mouth out. Because I'll never forget, it was my dad's soap. Amen. And even when the soap was out, I was still spitting stuff out. I was gagging. And she washed my mouth out. She said, you will never use that kind of language in my house again. You know what? You know what? I thank God for that. Because what she was doing was structuring my thoughts. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Oh my God. See, some of you don't believe you can be more or do more because your whole life you were told you're stupid. You were a loser. Look at us. You think you're better than me? You think you're better? And you heard that your whole life. And so here you are in the cycle of poverty, in the cycle of, oh, you may not be poor. You, you may have a nice car and a nice house, but you are so poor in spirit and you are so poor in the way of your thinking. Amen. You are in the cycle of it. And that thought is telling you, grow up without a father, you grew up without a mother, and you're struggling your way through it, amen, why don't you acknowledge today that you have reached the end of your rope and say, God, give me wisdom and give me understanding. Amen. Y'all getting anything out of it? I'm almost done. You don't have to be what they said you could be or couldn't be. I have to be careful what I'm saying here. But I want you to hear me right now. At some point, you've got to break the cycle. And if your kids are already grown, it's still not too late. Amen? I lost my place, but I'm, I'm closing anyway. Amen. This is where I wish Brother Roberto was translating right here. I could look at his notes. You let the world corrupt your mind. You let the world corrupt your way of thinking. I think, I think something clicked in this Awakening Conference for some people who came back down. Remember, we have to all come back from the mount. We all got to come back to life. And I think some stuff clicked with some people that walked out of the Awakening Conference saying, wow, God's got more for my life than the level I've been living at. God's got more for my life than the level I've been living at. Let me tell you something. Marriages just don't end. They just don't end. It's impossible for it to just wake up one day and go, oh, I don't like you. Bye. It starts with a thought. Starts with a thought. Nobody just quits work. I did. No, you didn't. Be honest. You didn't just walk in one day and go, I quit. 
You thought about it. Huh? Thought about it. And thought about, you know what? They don't appreciate me. They don't value me. Matter of fact, you, you actually started noticing more and more of the things that they didn't value in you. And it made things worse. Until one day you decided enough's enough. Right? You need to start praying over the thoughts you think. And you've got to quit letting come out of your mouth everything that runs through your head. Because the power, the Bible says the power of life and death. And so many of us curse our future before God gets a chance to bless it. I got a whole lot more to say. Go to the <clears throat> Backville Campus podcast for a couple of weeks ago. You'll hear the rest, or at least a little bit more, because I didn't finish there. But until we let God take control of our thinking, nothing just happens. There's a thought process behind everything. Marriages just don't end. Affairs don't just happen. I've I've been in the most unfortunate of situations I have to sit there with that it never just happens you know they say I fell into a you don't fall into it you didn't just trip and fall into a hotel room with some other man's wife or husband you just fall into it it all starts with a thought and that's why the Bible says you have to gird up the loins of your mind This is why the Bible says you have to bring every thought into captivity. To what? To the obedience of Christ. Because while you may control your mouth and your hands and your body, your mind is uncontrolled and unrestrained. Amen. you begin to speak those things out you're either speaking life or you're speaking death keep saying I don't know how much more I can take and see how much more will come keep saying keep keep vocalizing I can't make it I can't I can't make it and you won't until the moment you say okay God as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I've got, to, I've got to change my thoughts. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about the power of transformational thinking. Through the influence of the Holy Ghost. So what are we going to do closing out this year and going into the next year? We're going to fall right back into that same cycle where we're just running on fumes to get through the new year to hopefully some magical vault of money will fall into my backyard and cure everything. So I'm going to wake up on January 1 and my kids start acting normal or right or the way you want them to or your spouse becomes the spouse you dreamed of or whatever it is. Right? Are Are we going to let God plant a seed into our spirit this morning and say oh 
influence my thoughts. Okay. Well, what should my thoughts be thinking? Not what they're thinking now. Thoughts of blessing. Thoughts of success. Thoughts of revival and harvest. Thoughts of prosperity and growth. How about this? How about you start thinking what God thinks of you? Say, Pastor, well, what does God think about me? Well, I'm glad you asked. That's a good question to end this on. You ready? The Bible said, God said, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of good, not of evil, and to give you an expected end. That's the kind of thoughts you need to think about yourself. Wake up saying, this is going to be the day that I'm coming out of this. I'm going to be more blessed by the time I get home tonight than I was when I woke up in the morning. Stand with me, man. You've got to have the, you've got to start thinking like that. Anybody getting anything out of this today? See, I couldn't, I couldn't just teach or preach this anywhere. The vast majority of our, our, our churches couldn't handle this. Matter of fact, there's probably people tuning in online already drooling on their on their chin right now. They're so used to hypology. We gotta shout dance, we gotta name it, claim it, we gotta rah, rah, rah. And God says, no 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 I I want to affect generations. It starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with you. When he can touch the power of a thought. Everything that is is because it was first thought. I don't have time to get into Genesis. I don't have time to get into the creation of the world. But John 1.1 says that everything that exists is because God thought it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word was with God. Verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh. That word, Word, the Logos, simply means the thought of God. So everything that exists, exists. See, here's what you're praying for. Here's how we do we mess it all up. This is how God, God never hands you, I shouldn't say never, but God almost never hands you a finished product. He just hands you the materials. God didn't create the car. God didn't create the automobile. God gave somebody a thought. And then God provided the wisdom to build it. God, God, didn't, God didn't create that car. No. God, God didn't create this building. Somebody thought about this building. But you know what God did? God grew the trees out in the forest. God formed the rocks that came out of the gravel pit. God, formed, God grew all of that and said, here you go. Here's all the ingredients you need. Now make it happen. See, that's not what we want. We want to just fall in our lap. Already made. We don't have to do anything except just 
just turn the key, open the door, and there it is. But that's not how God works. God shows you the end of a thing. I don't have time to get, how many people in the Bible did God give them a great promise, but then he never warned them all the junk they had to go through to get there? Joseph, the sun, the moon, the stars are going to bow down in obeisance to you. Oh, by the way, your brethren are going to sell you as a slave. You're going to rot in prison for years before eventually you reach that point. In other words, God said, Joseph, here's what I got for you. But I'm going to give you all these years of living to become that. And so you've got to say, God, touch my, my thoughts. Would you lift your hands right where you are right now and just say, God, touch my thoughts and my way of thinking, Lord. Touch my mind. Hallelujah. I want to break the cycle that I'm in. I want to be an overcomer. I, I, I want to do more for your kingdom. Make, make it a kingdom prayer. I want to do more for your kingdom. I, I, I want to go further. I want to do more, Lord. I, I want to see your will accomplished in my life like nobody else has. God, I want to walk in perfect unity with you. I want to walk in harmony with you. I want to walk in fellowship with you. Oh, God, touch my thinking. In the name of Jesus, that's it. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ right now. Yeah, your mind's going to push you this way. And your mind's going to push you that way. And your flesh is going to fight against you this morning. And it's going to say, no, you got to do this and you got to do that. And God says, no, it begins with the power of a transformed mind. It begins with the power of a regenerated mind. Until the thoughts that I think are not my thoughts. Hallelujah. To the thoughts that I think are not my thoughts. And then I begin to speak the words. And I begin to speak the thoughts through my life that God has given me. Hallelujah. 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 If you want the Lord to help give you understanding and wisdom. I want you to come to the front this morning. I know this is different. Amen. Maybe you're tired of battling the same old battle, going the same old, just the routine of it. some point you've got to start holding yourself accountable for the thoughts you think at some point you've got to stop blaming the devil because the devil does not have power over your mind he can't just come take over your mind you have to give him the steering wheel to your mind or as the Bible says the reins of your mind and at some point, the person you've got to hold accountable is yourself. If you only knew the promise of God over your life, you would not think so less of yourself. And I know this is in contradiction to 
pop psychology preaching that happens right now. The woe is me. No. If you only knew the plans that God had for your life. What God wanted to do for your life. That if you would start believing in God. The way he believes in you. It would totally transform. If you could only find the plan of God for your life, you know what would happen? You wouldn't take every job offered to you. Because some of you look and go, that's not God's plan. You wouldn't step into every business deal because that's not God's plan. You wouldn't accept every offer because you'd look at some offers, not with pride and arrogance, and go, no, that's not good enough. God has better for me. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be. Oh, I thought Pastor Mendoza preached this on Saturday night so powerful. This church is making an effect on, on the world. On the, did you ever think you'd be a part of a church that could have a global impact? When God first saved you, did you think you'd be a part of a church? I mean, really? They'd be building churches all over the world, Bible colleges, all of the things that God is doing. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know how God was going to do it until God gave the power of a thought. And you may not, I, you may take this the wrong way, and that's fine. You, you, you can take it however you want it. And when it gets cold, put it in the microwave and get mad all over again. But if you're not in the same spirit that I'm in right now, you won't receive it. God didn't call me for small things. I don't know if you caught that. God didn't call me for small things. God, and I thank God for everyone here, and I know we got folks out, but God didn't call me and this was it. When God called me, he said, you're going to raise up sons and daughters that will affect the nations. You'll build churches that will be catalysts for global revival. And when God showed me those churches, the bathrooms wouldn't even fit in the sanctuary. So if you think I'm stressed about the coming and the going and this and that you got another thing coming because I'm confident of the thought he gave me and the word he spoke that there's a lot of times I'm preaching those that were in Vacaville in the early years can tell you there were times I'd preach and say I'm not even preaching to you I'm preaching to the empty chairs right now and I would preach to empty chairs I'd preach baptism in Jesus name when we only had 11 people and they were all baptized in Jesus name I would preach the infilling of the Holy Spirit when there were only nine people in there, amen, and everybody had the baptism. I would preach to the emptiness and I would say, it's going to be filled. It's going to be filled. For two reasons. One, because God has called for there to be a church in this city. And two, because God called me to this city. And God didn't call me to mediocrity. So you can either hit your wagon to this old horse or you can set up a camp and say, well, I'm just good where I'm at. But I'm going to tell you, if you hit your wagon to this old mule right here, we're going some places.
because God's already given the fact. Praise God. I feel good this morning. I feel good. Sister Maria, the best is still yet to come. Mucho mas. This is not the end. The best days of living for God are not behind you. You're going to have a home group in your living room teaching Bible studies. Matter of fact, I'm just praying that the, the rest of your days are the most blessed days of your life. And a year from now, even though the economy's bad and everything... That a year from now, for a year from today, what is today? The 19th? I pray December 19th, 2024, you're going to look at your bank account and go, I cannot believe that there's more than enough. Matter of fact, you need to start saying that. You need to start. Matter of fact, I hope the light feeds off. People won't understand all this. You need to start speaking that. Every day you need to declare it. I am a daughter of God and my best days are ahead of me. I will not live in lack. I will live in God's abundance. Watch what God start, start turning it around. Sister Cindy was a professional. She's retired now. I still don't understand how she retired at 45, but she retired. And she went through all this education. She worked her way up up the, the ladder to get where she was in Kaiser. I can imagine those first few days being the head honcho was pretty intimidating. But if she walked in there like this, well, everybody, excuse me, I'm so sorry. I, I, I know I'm new. I, I don't deserve to be here. I, I really shouldn't be here. But they, somehow I beat out all of you. But here I am. And I'm, I'm really the least qualified. And I, I, I shouldn't be holding this meeting but if you wouldn't mind, if you would just so kindly, uh, if you would just indulge me for the next however long I'm your boss, if you'll just put up with me because I know that you're smarter than me and you're better than me and you can do it better. But somehow they chose, I don't know why they chose me. I, I, it could have been the gun that I held to their head. that they. I, I don't know why. If she would have walked in like that, they'd have went and flicked her off the table and said, be gone. But see, she walked in there with a wealth of knowledge. She had worked her way up. She had the degree. She had the education. She had the, and when she stepped in the room, she stepped in the room not with arrogance or pride, but in certainty. That even though the job may have been better than, bigger than her, all she had been through had prepared her for the moment. And so many of us walk through life going, oh, and any little blessing we get, oh, I don't know, oh, you got to stop acting like that. God, change my mind. Give me the power of a thought. I'm, I speak life. Bless you know, I thank God for, for my heritage. I thank God. My parents weren't perfect. Don't worry. I'm almost singers young. Come on. I'm almost done. I got some of y'all pacing like, oh God, he got us up here. Where he's still going to keep talking. Then that might be your problem. You can handle four hours of Netflix, but not an hour of preaching. I don't know. Because 
My mama used to say, you are what you eat. I want to consume the word. I had good parents, had a good, you know, I was blessed, got a great heritage. But my parents, my parents weren't perfect. We're off, right? There is no perfect parents. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.